Hey, hey, you're listening to Johnny's Secret Stash. This is John Goldman on Radio Harbor Country, WRHC, W106.7 FM out of Three Oaks, Michigan, and WRHZ 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan. And I'm here in the studio today with Bill Bilby and Gene Halton from the Newports. They got their uh, uh, reintroduction to, uh, to the band back in 2014, and they are at the Acorn Theater, and they are back playing at the Acorn Theater tomorrow night, November 27th. Don't miss it. Uh, and um, here's my interview with them, starting a little bit after uh, Bill started talking, unfortunately. Lives went our separate ways. Some had music careers, some had other kinds of careers. And uh, one of the guys from our musical circle said, had tracked some of us down and said, hey, why don't we get together and do an open mic, get these guys together and see what happens. So uh, we offered, we volunteered to do that, open mic at the Acorn. Uh, it was on Wednesday nights back then. And uh, a couple of guys from the original band, a couple of guys from adjacent bands, and um, a couple of ringers, one of them is <laughs> here today. <laughs> and uh, Mr. Halton. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, and the front man that joined us that night, uh, Mark Rogers, uh, who we knew from the band Scamp from uh, Northwest Indiana. And, uh, you know, no rehearsal. We just showed up with our instruments and played old bar band standards, and it, 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 it worked pretty well. Yeah, great. And, uh, and the whole thing has ended up getting t- captured on video. And we thought, oh, that was fun. And then uh, next week, the, the New Buffalo Times comes out, and the arts reporter, Larry Von Ebler, who happens to be in the studio here, say, yes. uh, he, he, he publishes uh, an article with the, a great photo of the band uh, under the headline, Acorn, the scene of jaw-dropping music by the Newports. <laughs> and uh, it starts out, sociologist, entrepreneur, and band freak Bill Bilby lives a life filled with dichotomies. But Tuesday night, he and his band took over the acorn and left an unsuspecting audience dazed. <laughs> so uh, we thought, man, we, yeah. we, we left them dazed. We, we, we got we to gotta run with this. So uh, um, uh, a few months later, we offered to host a special fundraising open mic uh, at the acorn and uh, uh a couple more guys from the old neighborhood joined the band that night. I think that's when Eddie played with us for the first time. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then all of a sudden we're playing festivals and, and uh, dive bars and roadhouses and, festi- and, uh, uh, and then more shows at the Acorn. I think our first one was us and Chicago King Snakes. Uh, uh, a blues band from Chicago, right? Right, right. Uh-huh. right. And so we've been doing, uh, you know, we've been on the road every, every, our season goes from like Memorial Day to mid-October, and we do two shows a year at the Acorn, one in the summer and one over Thanksgiving weekend, and um, we did a live album recorded there, um, and it's just been great. It's been a great ride. None of us thought How this fun. would happen, and we're having the time of our lives. Yeah, yeah, it's, and you got started with this band, uh, Bill, when you were in eighth grade, right? Right, right. Yep. Uh, yeah, me and my buddy Brian were uh, doing instrumental covers, sort of uh, Dwayne Eddy twangy guitar covers of top 40 hits, and uh, we, uh, yeah, we entered the eighth grade talents show, uh, Brian and me and, and uh, a fellow named Bob Gitson, and we won it, and we were like 
went from being nerds to rock stars within a 10-mile <laughs> area of uh, Riverdale, Illinois, uh, and that sustained us through high school, yeah. Yeah, probably drastically changed your whole high school career, you yeah, know, being yeah. these rock stars. Uh, and, and so um, just you, and is it Eddie who's uh, now still with the band? No, Terry Tritt. Terry Tritt. Terry, Terry okay. the saxophone player and our musical director, the guy that raced the scores for the horns. He and I were from the original lineup, and then... Uh, Jeff, Daryl, Eddie, and um, and Ralph um, were from like adjacent bands in high school, and they all played together in the high school jazz band as well. I see. Okay, and they're now with you, right? The other right. gentlemen. So there's six of us from Thornton Township High School in Harvey, Illinois, right? Which happens to be a mile away from the shopping center that was trashed in the Blues Brothers movie. Oh yeah, yeah. In fact, Daryl from our band works security at, the, at that. Show oh no. Yeah. <laughs> and then. Uh, and then Jumpin' Gene Halton, uh, who I knew from my, my uh, career in sociology, someone said, uh, hey, this guy plays harmonica, too. And, boy, was that an understatement. <laughs> so he showed up, and then uh, Terry played in this band Scamp that had a, had a singer-guitarist, Mark Rogers, and Brian, who started the band with me, wasn't available. So, like, five minutes before we went on stage that, that in July of 2014, this wild guy shows up, and, man, you know, Puts on a show that uh, indeed left them dazed. And you're talking about Mark Rogers. Mark Rogers, and he's been he's been at it ever since. Lead singer and lead guitar player. Right, right. He he performs in about oh I'd say four or five bands actively. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> but but just recently announced that he was stepping back from uh, from fronting bands. So uh, this is. Um, our last official performance with Mark, uh, maybe his last really high-profile performance on a big stage with a cool sound system and, and all of that. So uh, we're going to make tomorrow really special. Are you going to um, do something in particular to say goodbye to Mark? We have some uh, dramatic twists and turns built into the set. Okay, list. all right. That's great. And, you know, you mentioned that you've uh, put out an album, and that was based on recordings that were done at the Acorn. Right, right. I think it's our July of 2018 show. Um, the Acorn is set up really well for doing live recordings. Uh, the, 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 sound, the, the sound technician, Evan Margul, um, who um, was on staff at the Acorn back then, um, is a master at pulling clean yeah, multi-track he... uh, recording off, of a, off the board when you're doing, when you're doing it live. And we're... Yeah. And, uh, Evan was uh, kind enough to agree to come back to the Acorn to do it again for us tomorrow night. So yep. he's going to be your sound guy tomorrow night. Right, Great. right. We'll be okay. recording. We'll be recording live there too. So I'm sure there'll be another uh, EP or album or whatever coming out of that. And then we have that uh, the, the single too, which just came out. Right, last right. Week. The uh, Tom uh, Waits cover of "Going Out West." Uh, and um, I don't. Am I correct? You have not named that EP yet, but you've got a single that's going to, you know, sort of be the uh, Beginning of that EP. Exactly, yep. Okay. Uh, and, you know, the, the Live at the Acorn album that you have is, uh, is a real mix. I mean, a mix of all kinds of great songs. You've got Bob Marley on there, and then you also have Bob Dylan on there. Yeah. And um, the Beatles, I think they, there's a song from the Beatles on there. Um, uh, how did you, you know, pick this song list? I mean, how do you guys go about choosing the songs you're going to play? Yeah, um... I would say, you know, when we started out seven years ago, we just we, we played songs that everybody knew who had ever yeah. been in a band. Uh, that was easy to do. Uh, and then as we got more, a little bit more experience and confidence, um, 
we started taking on songs where Terry could write real scores for the horns to play and so on. And so, and so Mark and Terry sort of had their ear to the ground about, gee, you know, what's a song that, you know, it's a rock standard like Touch Me By The Doors that would be really cool with, you know, four horns playing, you know, sophisticated lines along with it. Um, so, uh, you know, it's, 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 I think, largely Mark and Terry's influence. Um, we have a we have a Gene Halton original that we've worked up. Uh, oh yeah, um, a blue big, song, right, Gene? Song. Yeah, yeah. It's called the Big Bad Wolf. And uh, how long ago did you write that? I wrote about twenty five years ago. Uh, I recorded with a band I had at the time, uh, the Off the Wall Blues Band, and uh, you know I just written it. We we had been performing you know for a year, a couple of years, and uh, we had not played this one yet. We walked into the studio. And this was the first song we did, and somehow, the first take took, <laughs> and it, left, real it left us all like, "How hard can this be to record a CD?" <laughs> yeah. And then we moved on to tunes that we knew cold, you know, just from playing so many times, and you had to take multiple takes and all of that. Yeah. But this one just worked out right. I took kind of like from the Three Little Pigs and Little Red Riding, Riding Hood, and kind of channeled that into uh-huh. a love song of sung by the, the Big Bad Wolf. The Big Bad Wolf. I'm the Big Bad Wolf. I'm going to blow your house down. I've been looking for your woman all over this lonely <laughs> town. <laughs> oh, that's great. Big bad wolf, I'm knocking on your door. Let me in. I won't trouble you no more. <laughs> and so you didn't come to this blues writing uh, just in that period of time. I mean, you've been doing uh, playing blues uh, back since college, right? Well, yeah. Uh, I went to grad school at the University of Chicago. I had been playing a little bit of drums. I, I moved in next door to a band that needed a drummer for the space rock band Solaris that uh-huh. was getting some good press in Chicago at the time um, and I also had started picking up the harmonica you know I mean at the time the difference of a big trap drum set to move and a small harmonica to fit in your hand <laughs> was like a no-brainer right you know but then when you start playing blues you have to bring in an amplifier and other things too but um, there was also uh, we the space rock band we started jamming with some acoustic musicians and that actually turned in, some of those people turned into a bluegrass band, a special consensus bluegrass band, which still plays and tours internationally today. And the bass player in that band had earlier played harmonica with Hound Dog Taylor in the clubs in the South Side. And uh, so he was like an amazing mentor for me to start to learn who I should be listening to, Big uh-huh. Walter, Little Walter, and, and other great harmonica players. Hey, so had you played the harmonica before you took up the drums and uh, just always had that harmonica um, no, I, I, it was right at the end of college. I, I had taken elementary school drum lessons and nothing until uh-huh. the last year in college, played some drums. And then um, between then and, the, and I, uh, two years later when I started grad school, I somehow I got a harmonica and then just started noodling on it and then, you know, started getting learning stuff, especially right. through, uh, through this friend of mine. Yeah. So, so you read music, right? Uh, no. No, okay. So you're able to just do this by ear, playing drums and right. playing harmonica. Yep. Uh, and from what I understand with harmonicas, each one is its own, is in a particular key. Yeah. So even though you joke that harmonica is, you know, kind of small, you kind of have to bring, uh, you know, six, seven of them for each one of the keys. Do you not? Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I found some good uh, automatic, nine millimeter automatic, gun cartridge holders that fit on my belt that oh, just yeah. the same size as a harmonica, you know, so <laughs> you can just kind of wear it, you know. On yep, the, the yep, belt just pull it out yeah. as you're ready to go. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, uh, and the harmonica is an amazing instrument. It, 
It, it was first invented in the 1860s in Germany, and within a decade or so, the biggest buyers of harmonicas were in the United States. Uh, and so it, it went all over. There were harmonica bands uh, in high schools. Uh, when it got, you know, it was like, so here's, here's a harmonica. Yeah. Okay. So that was in the key of A, in, as the harmonica's in the key of A. But when this got into the deep south, guys would be sitting on their front porch, you know, and they learned to, they're just playing, making sounds like, you know, when the train goes by. And you change the key, so I was just doing that in the key of E. Oh, you were able to and you even, can start and uh -huh. bend notes. So it was it wasn't intended. For yeah, that. it was intended as this is a marine band harmonica for a marine band. You right. Know? So you go. You start to be able to get different notes. And yeah. Then you can start getting that real bluesy. Oh man, you got all kinds of sounds coming out of that. It almost sounded like a you know mouth harp, even yeah. uh, one of those little twangy things. That, right. Uh, yeah. Uh, you, you know, you mentioned that uh, harmonica is originally from Germany, mm -hmm. and that it got such a strong foothold in America. Uh, and it sounds like you know maybe even primarily in the South, but and the banjo has a similar kind of you know it's first started in Africa. Right. And uh, and then it became like you know a real bluegrass kind of instrument mm -hmm. um, in America. Right. So, yeah. so you know some of these uh, original instruments you know really made a big change when they um, got acclimated to the American culture. Yeah, a lot of people think of uh, you know banjo and bluegrass or mm -hmm. or even Appalachian music, but it really was a, an African uh, instrument. You know, so it goes back to the Revolutionary War days. There were right. some um, recent, recent from Africa people, you know, uh, African American people playing banjo in revolutionary, revolutionary bands, as I understand. Yeah, yeah. Um, very interesting. So you've, you not only played with this band, but then you had a chance to play with uh, some established blues musicians. Yeah, I, I, I was picking up stuff as a grad student in Chicago. I, I got a job in South Bend at University of Notre Dame. Uh, teaching there, and uh, I was busy in the 80s, you know, uh, ha having a couple of kids and all that, and then in the 90s, I started getting back into playing, and uh, uh, something had happened, you know, I, I had gone through a divorce, I became a single father, and a lot, something was just released in me, and I was able to just learn like, you know, like a like a duck imprinting uh -huh. you know, from, sponge uh, sponge yeah <laughs> and uh very quickly i was able to uh um start playing with some of the great creators of chicago blues uh which was an amazing experience and um people like pine top perkins unbelievable uh, dave myers who had played with little walter he and his brother lewis uh were just amazing musicians dave was the first to play an electric bass in chicago when the uh, was it the Gibson bass came out in 1958 or so? Yeah. So how did you um, uh, get a chance to play with these uh, musicians like Pine Top Perkins? Pine Top Perkins is an uh, unbelievable piano player. Yeah. 
And, uh, you know, just <laughs> to be frank, we've already done this interview. And as a result of a little bit of a technical snafu, we're getting to do it again. So I did learn a lot of these things. <laughs> and I just want to make sure we get a chance to talk about them again. But uh, Pine Top Perkins, um, you know, he and then he lived in uh, northwest Indiana or um, just across the line anyway, like in Portage or South in, Bend? In LaPorte. In yeah. LaPorte, yeah, okay. Uh, well, we, I was playing with a band then called the Mighty Hurricanes uh, with musicians from South Bend, and there was a, a great guitar player, uh, Rockin' Johnny Bergen from Chicago, was, was in that band. Uh-huh. And so there were some connections that some of the people, uh, maybe Johnny too, had with Pine Top. Um, and we did some, some touring with him, also with Dave Myers at the time. And Dave, I mean, was not only an amazing musician, he was a near professional level boxer. He was a professional tap dancer. He did some gigs wow. with Sammy Davis Jr. in the 50s. <laughs> and he was with little Walter and the Aces, you know, uh, going from late yeah. 40s, early 50s on. Wow, wow. So these guys are really established in the, um, the blues environment. And, yeah. Uh, um, you know, living their lives and, and getting a chance to, to play around this area. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you start hearing stories so that, for example, Junior Walker and the All-Stars came from South Bend, and they were started by a drummer, Bill Sticks Nix. It was Bill Nix and his Rhythm Rockets, and he had to go in the Army in the 50s, and Junior Walker took over the band. But Bill was telling me they had gigs in Benton Harbor every other weekend. They'd go there. I think it was an after gig. Uh, oh, they'd play in, they'd South, play in Bend. South Bend and go there. Wow. Or the other way around. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but on the other weekend, it would be one of the major you know, blues bands from Chicago would be doing that gig. So, you know, there's just a lot of kind of hidden history there of these interconnections within the area. There, there sure are. I mean, there's, there's, this area has a long history of uh, unbelievable musicians and uh, persist to today. I mean, I mm-hmm. run into people all the time that. Um, you know, have have a regular day job. They're not supporting themselves playing music, but uh, when they do, you know, it's really quite amazing. They, you know, terrific uh, artists and uh, composers and musicians in in their own right. Um, well, that's the problem. America yeah. doesn't really appreciate its artists, except if they're at the top of the celebrity pyramid. Good you know, point. making tons of money, but you know, we we just don't give enough um, attention. And money, yeah, uh, to um, you know grassroots levels of arts, right? You know? And it's the middlemen that seem to be making all the money on the music, you know, mm-hmm. Spotify yeah. and um, you know the record industry itself, and um, and it's just the, the margins are getting tighter and tighter for everybody. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's it, it may be the kind of thing that um, prevents people from doing the things that they love uh, with music. But then again, I think we even talked about this last week. People who are musicians and who want to play in bands and, you know, they almost can't help themselves. They're just, mm-hmm. they're just you know, they find a way to make it happen. They, mm-hmm. they find a way to, a, a place to be able to play. And, um, uh, you know, it, it serves such a, a big purpose in people's lives. And I think the, the two of you are a perfect example of that, you know, having put aside your uh, music for, you know, years and years, and then um, found a, an outlet through this latest incarnation of the Newports. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What a great opportunity. <laughs> and Bill, you're, so you've, you're the uh, bass player mm-hmm. for the Newports, yeah. and that's primarily been your instrument uh, throughout, am I correct? Although it sounds like you also play a little guitar. 
Yeah, but in, in bands, I, mean, I played bass. But when we first started out, um, you didn't really have to have a bass player and you didn't have a lot of money. You didn't go out and buy one. So I played rhythm guitar with the, sort of the, the tone turned towards the lower end of the spectrum. Uh, and then finally, I think my junior year, I had, had the money to go out and buy a Hagstrom bass, which is actually my, still my bass of choice. Um, yeah, um, and, I, and uh, you know, I learned bass... I started playing bass as a guitarist, and, uh -huh. it, and, and it wasn't until I hooked up with the 21st century version of the Newports when uh, our amazing drummer, Gene Nury, <laughs> had, had explained to me, Bill, you're playing the bass like a, like a, like a rhythm <laughs> guitarist. It's, it's not that kind of instrument. It's a percussive instrument. It's part of the rhythm section, and uh, you're, you're to lock in with me and... Uh, and, and and uh, and stay there. Yeah, and yeah. So uh, I, I I've worked really really hard over the last seven years to uh, um, master that approach to playing the bass. Yeah. So when you played it as a rhythm guitar, I mean, were you tr um, trying to play along with the songs at, at, at the melody level? Is that? Uh... Yeah, and, and and the timing was 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 uh, was sort of I'm th you know the melody's in my head, yeah. not what the drummer is doing, and. Uh, you know, I mean, try doing that to uh, honky tonk women, and you know, it's a it becomes an awful song with the bass players in the way of everything else, uh, crowding everybody out. Yeah. So now, now when I'm you know when I'm when I'm playing bass uh, on that song, you know, I'm I'm thinking Charlie Watts and uh, uh -huh. and and how what I'm doing fits in with Gene's version of what Charlie Watts did. So, who are some of your favorite uh, bass players, or have have you not looked at music in that way? Like, oh, I, I love this guy. I'm going to emulate his uh, playing style. I would say if, if there's one that, uh, that I sort of admire and consider a role model, it's, it's Duck Dunn because, uh -huh. you know, he played. From the Blues Brothers. Band. Right, right. Uh -huh. But, you know, he was part of the Stax Volt. Uh, right, right. Know, Booker T and the MGs, the uh, Wilson Pickett records and so on. And he's just playing simple lines on a pentatonic kind of blues scale and, uh, and holding holding down the bottom end, and uh, um, so that's what I try to do. All right, yeah, uh, Gene, do you have uh, a harmonica player that uh, you know that you uh, look at as being just this is the best harmonica player I know, or you know, who who are some of your inspirational harmonica players? Some of my the best harmonica player ever. <laughs> I mean, there's little Walter, obviously. I mean, uh -huh, he, yeah. he just. It just poured out. You listen to multiple takes of the same recording session, and it never comes out the same, and it just poured out of him. Uh, of contemporary players, uh, Kim Wilson, to me, uh, is my favorite harmonica player because he also does what um, Little Walter did, which is just he just pours it right out, you know. Um, I, I talked to him after a gig one time to Kim Wilson, and he said, uh, you know, when he's really in it, he just doesn't remember what he did. Right, and that's purely in the zone. Just completely in it. Yeah. yeah. Do, do you guys find that uh, when you're playing and you're up on stage and you're in the middle, of, do, do you find yourselves getting into the zone pretty often? Yeah, in fact, I replied to Kim. I said, you know, I, I like to visit that place, Yeah. but you live there. <laughs> <laughs> what does it uh, take when you're, um, you know, getting ready to play to, to, to get into that place. I do know what you're talking about. I mean, it happens with sports. It happens with, uh, happens with most things people do. And, and they find, you know, you, you get to that spot where 
you know, the surroundings kind of blur and you're just completely uh, invested in what you're doing and, you're, you know, all your intention is in that direction. Is there anything in particular that you do to kind of get yourself there? Well, you know, practice helps. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> uh, the more the, the more you practice, the luckier you get kind of idea. Uh, you know, and there's, there's rhythm, which is the beat, mm-hmm, but there's the right. groove, which is the feel of the mm-hmm. rhythm. So it's really about the feel of the rhythm. I, I, I got to do a number of gigs with uh, a great singer, uh, the Tail Dragger from Chicago. He's from the West Side, and, you know, he learned to sing from Hallam Wolf, you know. Oh, sure. In fact, yeah. he used to show up late for some gigs, and that's how he got the name from Hallam Wolf, you the tail <laughs> but he just takes takes space in songs you know and and we would do a number of these Helen Wolf tunes that have no chord changes and you know he 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 describes you know I get into that place of the hypnotic so when you're in that kind of the feel of the of the rhythm that groove can take you uh, and you need to be open to that to be able to go there and and that's both the risk and the joy of improvisation. Right, right. Uh, and we talked about this last time. Um, your band ha- does a lot of songs that uh, invite improvisation, you know, um, the blues songs. And uh, uh, that certainly there's space in those blues songs built in uh, in order to try to improvise. And And the difficulty or... The the contrast to that is this very tight uh, brass section that you guys have with the Newports. So let, let's talk a little bit about you know how you are able to incorporate that sort of strict um, uh, um, you know organization around the brass section and how you're able to incorporate some of the improvisation that you that it's in, it's inevitable with uh, these the types of songs that you guys play. Yeah, you know, um, even across the range of range of genres that we play, everything from uh, you know not just blues, rock, and soul, but also uh, reggae, ska, whatever. Um, you know, there's that structure, and then there's Terry and the horns and and Eddie on the keys where they've thought through, okay, within that structure, what, where are some melodic lines that work with that? And then what's Mark going to be doing when the guitar solo comes in that could build to a crescendo that we could anticipate and sort of support? Um, so uh, one of our favorite songs is um, Gary Clark Jr.'s When My Train... Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. No, is he the original writer of that song? Yeah. Because it's written with such a, uh, yeah. you know, blues style. Uh, <laughs> we got a phone ringing in the background. So, We're live. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, so anyway, there's sort of the melodic uh, bass line in there, and then there's a, and then there's a, uh, you know, a couple of really long, really, really heavy guitar solos that build and build and build, but then Terry writes an orchestral score for the horns that's right there with it. Uh, So we get sort of the Uh the, creative tension and sort of the best of both approaches to music in one song. Sounds good. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, for me, um, going into a horn band as a harmonica player coming from more blues, you know, smaller combos, uh, it's a real challenge because I have to learn to listen to them 
when to speak or not speak, you know. Right. But, um, and also just tunes that, if we do a blues tune, there's much more structure from the horns of, you know, precise things that are going on. And that's, that's one of the great challenges, but again, uh, fun, that you can have something rigorous like that, structuring a song, yet there's this room for improvisation too. And so, for example, Terry does the arrangements and the horns will all be doing the arrangement. Then he goes to solo and he just lets go. You know, he's just, it's all abandoned. Right, right. And that, I love that kind of, uh, that breadth of precision and improvisation. Yeah. And Terry is considered the musical director. Uh, Other than with the the brass components of the band, does he also um, have a role in sort of crafting how the rest of the band's going to be playing a song uh, when there's not some kind of improvi- improvisation opening. Well, Terry Terry spent his uh, his career during the day uh, teaching music to yeah. uh, middle schoolers and high schoolers, and uh, so yeah, whether we want him to be our teacher or not, he yeah. says, <laughs> can't help himself. He'll say, "You want me to get my stick out?" <laughs> <laughs> he said, "Bill, watch your foot. Look how it's tapping. That's not tapping on the one. Come on." <laughs> Go home and try this. Yeah. Come back and tell me how it works. So yeah, he's very much. He very much is. Uh, <laughs> and, and and he and Mark have played together for I think thirty forty years in their band Scamp. So, uh-huh. and but there, I mean Terry's he's the only horn, and so he's totally improvisational. But still, they right. they're but so they're. It's not till I think they both gotten in this band that their that their different approaches to music uh, led to. A creative tension that's sometimes more creative than tension, and sometimes more tension than creative. But we, but they always, in the end, we always uh, uh, work it out. Yeah, I mean, that's what I love about these guys. These are, these are all decent, really decent people. I mean, which is, you know, to to be able to get into like a stress of a, you know, how are we going to do this song? One person has one idea, one has something. It works out. People are really generous and giving. You know, and that's that's been. You know, so much fun to be for me to come into this band that goes back to their high school days and make these friends, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's a new chapter, really. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is a, a really sounds like a new thing for for you, the two of you, but also the rest of them, the yeah, rest yeah, of the band yeah. members. Mm-hmm. And, and Gene, other before you were, um, uh, before you started working with uh, the Newports, were you with any other bands, you know, just shortly before you started doing this? Well, I had. I told you, I, I started with this band, The Mighty Hurricanes, right. in the early, mid-90s. Then I, I got my own band, the Off the Wall Blues Band. We went on for, I don't know, close to 10 years. Uh, and so probably between the, the five years before the Newports, I wasn't really playing much. Uh-huh, okay. And uh, we did some occasional things. And we would sometimes, with the off, my Off the Wall Blues Band, like some... The, just the main people in there, we would sometimes have different lead people. We had Catherine Davis, a great singer from Chicago. We did one gig uh, at the Midway Tavern in, in Mishawaka. Oh, yeah, with, yeah. With uh, Sam Lay. Oh, And nice. that, was, that was wonderful. We had Rockin' Johnny on guitar and, and uh, just, you know, that, yeah. So that, yeah. I wasn't playing that much before that, but uh, that's sort of what I was doing. That Midway Tavern is a fun place. I've seen some uh, really great bands and such a, such a throwback kind of place, and like in that little residential neighborhood. Is it still around? I don't know if I've yeah, seen they, too much. Yeah, they're not doing there. as many gigs. 
Albertina Wassenhof. Yes, who, uh, she was the ran that. She died yeah. in her mid nineties about a, a, a year or two ago. Right. And uh, her mom had opened it up in nineteen twenty four. Wow. And during Prohibition, it was a speakeasy. Is that so right? So when it you was, go in there now, there's like a like a neighborhood bar in the front yeah. and sliding doors that go to the back music room. Right. Right. Which is, was still the original furniture, you know, going back. Oh wow! I, and you know, the Al Capone's guys would sometimes and, stop in there. Yeah. Because they would take Route 12 to Windsor, Canada to get their liquor. Uh-huh. And, and I've always wondered, and I regret I didn't ask her, I, I just had this idea that maybe they weren't just dropping off rye mm-hmm. whiskey from Canada. Maybe uh-huh. they're picking up good Belgian beer oh. from this Belgian neighborhood. Uh-huh. Albertina's mom, Martha, moved from Belgium with her husband in 24. So they were making beer in Ah. I've always wondered if that was yeah. a, a good business deal they had going. That's interesting. That and like I said, that's a really interesting little area. I mean, because it's all sort of residential, and then just like in the middle of this residential yeah. block yeah. is this, uh, like you said, there's a you know full fledged kind of bar in the front, yeah. and then there's that that back area where, and, and I, th- I think it's adjacent to a. Um, uh, like an automobile yeah, repair, repair place. place. Yeah. I don't know if that's part of the same family or whatever. No, but that was different. Yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a funny little spot. Well, I, I I've seen some great shows there, and uh, it's a really cool little space there. I hope that they are doing more stuff there. Uh, okay, so so it sounds like you know you get the call from Bill back in 2014. Hey, you want to you know come up on stage for this open mic and. And that just opened everything up, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. How fun. And that, you know, for me, another another whole challenge was we, the band was doing, or it soon began to do, rock tunes that I grew up with, but I never tried to play along. Uh-huh. With, you know? I never, if you told me I'd be playing a solo on the doors, touch me, you know, <laughs> or them changes, you know, mm-hmm. that I'd be channeling Jimi Hendrix on a blues uh-huh. sounding harmonica. Yeah. You know, and, what, and what are you channeling on, like, Wooly Bully? Well, that's 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 a, uh, able to be more bluesy yeah. with yeah. the chord progression on that, yeah. you know. But it's just you know. It, yeah, that's a fun song great. too. Yeah. Uh, what is that from the late fifties, early sixties? Uh, Wooly Bully, early mid sixties. Yeah. yeah. Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of reminiscent of that uh, um, older, um, you know, doo-wop kind of, or mm-hmm. not doo-wop. I don't know what category you'd, you'd call that, but. Uh, I remember that being kind of a fun song. Yeah, yeah. It's sort uh, of frat rock, I think. Frat, frat rock. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> there you go. Uh, Gene, have you done uh, d- done any more performing outside of the Newport since you kind of got this resurgence in in uh, ability to play? Not really. I mean, this is this takes up time. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, uh, I had a day job till a year ago, <laughs> <laughs> teaching at Notre Dame, and that uh, probably took a lot of your so, time. I mean, I've done some small like duos, more informal, like at a party with friends and things like that. Yeah. Uh, Did you? Uh, so you briefly spoke about you know this um, open mic that you guys went to at the Acorn that started things back up. Uh, w- how organized was that? I mean, it sounds like you called up Gene and said, "Hey, we might get a chance to play. Want to come out?" Um, and you didn't really have any particular song ready to go or practiced. No. So, um, uh, you know, were there people uh, in the audience who were like, oh, hey, I remember you wanted to come up? And, or was it more organized than that, where you're like, hey, we're going to try to well, we, we, we do came, something tonight? We came up with a, a playlist. Um, I know we, we did a great version of, of Watchtower, and that's easy chord progression and, you know, uh, 
you could jam, Gene could jam on that on the harmonica, and, sure. and Mark can go wild on the guitar, and so on. Um, you know, we, we knew Terry could bring off Shotgun. And in fact, I knew I knew the band Terry, Gene Nuri, our drummer, and Mark are all in the band Scamp. So, oh, right. so they're doing you know a five-piece rock version of all those kinds of standards. So, you know, so three of them are there. No, actually, we had a different drummer that that night. First one. Uh -huh. um, he went off to jail, so then Gene Nuri came on, but that's another story. Um, <laughs> anyway, but so, uh, so you know, we, we, we knew we could, we could bring those kinds of songs off. We had all played those songs in various kinds of bands along the way. And, right. and, and we sort of left it at that, but no, we, uh, apart from those guys that played together at Scamp, and now I think it was just, uh, it was just Mark and Terry, uh, we had not been in one in each other's presence playing musical instruments, so oh, I mean, there was gotcha. literally no rehearsal at all, just a playlist. Um, but at least there was some advanced discussion, discussion yeah. about what you were going to play. Right. Uh, nowadays, though, you guys do a lot more preparation. I mean, you have Terry, you know, doing the musical direction for the brass mm -hmm. part of the band, and yeah. uh, and it sounds like you get a chance to get together and practice, even though. Well, the two of you are, are up in this direction, in the uh, Harbor Country, Michiana. Yeah, we spent a lot of time on 8094 between, <laughs> between here and Homewood, Illinois. Right. But, yeah, we'll, 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 spend, we'll spend three or four sessions working on, a, working on a song and then just decide it's not working out. Uh -huh. um, Mark wanted to do the My Love is Alive, the Gary Wright song. Uh -huh. And it sounds like an easy rock song to do it's got a great hook and a nice rhythm and so on but it's also got this melodic thing and and we were working on it and working on it and finally Gene Nuri the drummer said we just got to drop this we're just we're not getting there um yeah it, the, the pieces of it don't work with where we're coming from so okay set that aside Eddie keeps telling us we need to work up uh, Africa by Toto you know just sort of a mainstream pop rock song from, uh -huh. from, from the 80s and We'll see, you know. Uh, it, it, yeah. That's kind I mean, of a fun song. Yeah, these sure. guys are, are more often right than wrong on these songs that, uh, you know, come out, like Going Out West was one that you know, yeah. came, came out of nowhere. We listened to the album version. Mark was nuts about it. The rest of us had never heard it. And I remember, again, Gene Nuri, the, the drummer, saying, I don't get it, you know. And Mark said, trust me, you know, we're going to lay down a different kind of beat and put a cool horn line on it, and it's... You know, and it's going to be awesome, and and sure enough, it, it that's how it turned out. And this is the Tom Wade song "Going Out West," mm -hmm. which is uh, the title track from the EP that you've got coming out. That's right. Um, that's right. It, it's it, it's already out. It's on Spotify. And oh, iTunes uh -huh. and so uh, that song. That song, yes, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. The EP will be uh, a, a winter project. Though. Gotcha. But uh, that song, um, yeah, it's a Tom Waits song, but. I don't think Tom Waits in his original recording has a big band behind him like you guys no, do. No, I think there's maybe four, at most four, four instruments on, and, on, in Tom's version. And most uh, Tom Waits songs are, you know, mostly kind of spoken uh, singing, yeah, as yeah. opposed to Mark Rogers, who, uh, you know, really is a, yeah, yeah. he's singing it. Yeah, but he's sort of channeling Tom. Yeah, Waits yeah, and, uh, sure, you can you can see that aspect. But, of but it. the real, the really distinctive part is is the is the um, Opening sort of chorus riff that uh, that Gene on harmonica does in in sync with Terry on saxophone, and they work really hard on that. They're both bending these reed instruments uh, uh -huh. in the same way, and it's 
trying to get it, hit these notes to be as nasty sounding as possible. <laughs> and, uh, and and I'd love for Tom Tom Waits to hear that. I've I've posted it at at like some Tom Waits oh, pages yeah. on Facebook um, to sort of show people. You know, you can you can be as out there as Tom Waits without being Tom Waits. That's and right. Come from a really different direction, but still do something that's sort of wow, man, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> that that's a really good point. Tom Waits is really out there. I mean, mm-hmm. his uh, lyrics are crazy, and uh, you know, some of his progressions with his musical stuff is yeah. is just really kind of off the wall. And yeah, you're you're taking it to a different kind of uh, wild and crazy. Yeah. That's great. What's, what's fun for us, we'll, we'll do a gig and we'll do uh, Franz Ferdinand's uh, Take, Me, Take, Take Me Out and then um, the heavies, How Do you, How you Like Me Now. And afterwards, pe- people come up to us because they know who we are. And we're kind of, man, I never expected to hear you guys do those songs. <laughs> um, or well, uh, Message for You, Rudy, or even yeah. Is This Love. All of, yeah. So, you know, we're not like... Um, you know, the, the Acorns always having tribute bands. Someone comes in and does, you know, Beggar's Banquet does the Stones, and uh, Hardy Tonight does the Eagles. Oh, right. and, and we're not the band that does, like, four versions of that. We do, right. We do right. no version of that. I, the, I think the closest we come to sort of covering the originals is maybe some of the Stones songs we do. But, but apart from that, we're doing Your distinctive versions. versions. Yeah. Our distinctive takes on, on songs that a lot of people know, but, you know, it depends on what you know how old you are right. and where your tastes were um, you have to be a real music aficionado to be coming from everywhere we're coming from collectively yeah yeah and you're um you're really getting into a lot of different genres i, mm-hmm. I might have mentioned this earlier today or maybe it was the last show but you um uh you know you've got champagne and reefer which is mm-hmm. muddy waters i don't this, is that an original muddy waters yep. i know he play mm-hmm. does it mm-hmm. and then you've got you know uh day in the life uh, the beatles off that live at the acorn and the bob marley song so you really are all over the board and different genres and different time periods yeah. too you know and i don't think the beatles ever did that live yeah. I, day I in the life you might yeah uh, in yeah. fact when when i heard we we're going to be doing it i i didn't think it was possible you know, <laughs> i would imagine you get, I, I thought stuff. you needed a studio with multiple recording uh-huh. tracks and all that because the horns get into this really kind of atonal yeah um, rising up sound and and we did it and we do it yeah i think you're right i think they never did it because that was at that point when they stopped touring you know like yeah. after mm-hmm. just the touring was was ridiculous and mm-hmm. they're like uh-uh we're not doing and we're just in the studio well you know they a lot of their music they would have a, an orchestra and stuff you know that, sure like, yeah that too backup thing, so yeah uh, but in terms of um playing in front of people yeah, uh, yeah. and trying to recreate that without without the you know uh, without the technology of a studio uh, you guys really had to <laughs> uh, figure that out that's yeah. that's great uh so your uh, your album live at the Acorn and going out west uh, are all um, pulled from live performances. Uh, and I think you told me last time going out west was done at um, the Dewey Cannon Park in Three Oaks right. as part of um, the Music in the Park series. Right, that, right. Labor Day weekend. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and, and so that one, um, was, was Evan the sound man on that one too? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, you, and, you and found fact, a good sound man. <laughs> and in fact, it, it, never, it never occurred to us that we'd be releasing any music off that. Off that. Um, and, uh, you know, we were, sort of, we were sort of vaguely aware that he was recording multi-track. And, 
people, you know, we're in that gazebo with horrible acoustics. So right. we didn't really know what was being projected to the audience. And, and our friends who came to see us, they said, you know, what was projected to us sounded really, really great. And then um, Mark mi mi mixed a couple of songs for me and I listened to them man let's let's keep going and so uh yeah we have actually five or six good songs uh, oh from, from that, that day in fact Wooly Bully uh, nice. is one of them one of them oh, that, yeah. that, that might yeah. end up on the EP okay uh, and then uh, it sounds like you're planning to record tomorrow's uh concert as well yeah at the yeah. Acorn yeah. uh was the one that you did uh that resulted in the live at the Acorn show the first time that you were conscious that okay hey we're gonna record some tracks here and, and see what we can do with them? Or was it sort of after the fact that you realized, like, hey, we got this recording, let's see how it sounds? Well, Evan was our sound person. I think from our very first, uh, maybe not our first one with King Snakes back in 2016, but after that. So, and Evan, I think just for his own amusement and satisfaction, would pull multi-track recording off the board and let you know that he had it. And uh -huh. I, I, don't think, I don't think there's another... At, uh, band that's performed at the Acorn that's actually taking him up on uh, the opportunity to yeah to to do something to do some serious and, you know and, and you know he and he does a he does a rough mix and then runs it past us and we'll give him some feedback but but I'd say the last two or three times we've done it it's like his rough mix ends up being the final mix because he's got such an ear for us yeah and uh, uh, and so on so yeah it's. Uh, and it's you know and we can we can bypass the uh, tremendous expense of booking studio time. Right, right. That's the other thing. So, and that was what I was going to ask. Do you have any plans to go into the studio with any of your songs? You know, be, be, right when Acorn, Acorn, right when uh, uh, the pandemic hit, uh -huh. we, we were we were working up some songs. We we're going to do some original stuff. We were thinking about doing the studio thing. In fact, we actually had a. Uh, we were approached by uh, a group of people who do a, uh, a, a music series, like a YouTube music series out of Nashville, uh, where, the, where they do video in a recording studio, and you come in and do four original songs. And um, actually, that, that's still a possibility, uh, but we got some, you know, we have some really retooling to do. You know, we're in the process of looking for a new front person for the band, and that person might take us in a slightly different musical direction and maybe open up some different musical avenues for us. So, That's right. So yeah. we're sort of, you know, taking a breath there and see, uh -huh. see where, where, where things go from there. And so uh, to, with that in mind, uh, you mentioned before that Mark Rogers is uh, going to be leaving the band. Um, what, what do you have in mind? You know, what, uh, what kind of a person are you looking for? Someone who can sing and somebody who also... Uh, a lead guitar player, or is the instrument uh, that important? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, we don't want to end up you know, getting a great vocalist and thinking, man, we also need another guitarist too. Then, you know, a, a nine-person band is a big. That's band. a big band. Just yeah. getting everybody to remember that the, you know what date we're performing mm -hmm. on, or uh, you know, aside from practicing, aside, aside from practicing <laughs> and scheduling practicing. So, so, so. Uh, uh, it's it, yeah. I think it's important that we'll end up finding a vocalist, guitarist. I think, and I I wouldn't be surprised if we get somebody coming out of a more blues and soul tr tradition, mm -hmm. because we sort of we have that basis now. Um, Eddie Beard on keyboards and and uh, Daryl or baritone sax, who has that deep baritone voice, voice, yeah. are each doing a lot of soul stuff for the band, and so getting someone from a blues tradition we could sort of build out in that direction a little bit more. 
Um, so, but you know, we we right. we're, we're, we're we're casting a wide net. And, uh, yeah, say, yeah. And you have Gene on the um, the harmonica with an incredible blues background. Right. So you, you yeah. know, got that strong bass mm-hmm. uh, in the band. Um, and for practice purposes, this person hopefully will live in the south suburbs of Chicago yeah. or somewhere around here, yeah, so you yeah. can uh, um, get them to practice easier. And yeah. uh, how often do you guys practice? Nine people trying to play together, you know, it makes it first hard to coordinate practice time, but also, you know, each song you gotta really you gotta make sure everyone's on board and everyone's yeah. able to get their parts in there. Yeah. So our our our, our performing season runs from roughly Memorial Day till mid-October, and then we add on the, the holiday show on, on Thanksgiving weekend. And I would say from, uh, you know, like May 1st until, you know, until up to the Acorn show, um, we, we probably practice on average twice a month, but if there's an important show or there's new songs we're working on, we might, we might do it more often than that. Oftentimes, the Horns and Eddie get together because they're, you know, they're playing from score more often than not, so... Um, they work. They work. Get up to speed on that, and then the rest of us will come in and and get the you know get the song to work right. out with the full band. How often do you guys uh, play out? I mean, you know, you've got these shows going out the Acorn, and uh, I think there's another one. This this one tomorrow night, yeah. and then uh, in May, I think you're also scheduled at the Acorn. We actually decided we moved that back to July first oh, uh-huh. to give us a little more time to rehearse and get get, get the, our new person, new person up, up to speed, but. Um, Pre-COVID, uh, you know, uh, 2018, 2019, I think our our goal was to not perform more than once every weekend and and not do it every weekend. Yeah. Uh, it, it's uh, it, well, in part we had to work around scamp schedule. Yeah. Oh, uh, right, right. And, and they play a lot more than we do. Uh, and but given the distance we're tra- distances we're traveling and and so on, um, we decided that that was sort of a uh, a better pace and then we even sort of backed off that one step and decided you know we don't really want to do those five-hour roadhouse bar gigs where uh-huh. you know if if it's out in the south suburbs it's uh you know it's an hour and a half drive for us and if they're out this way it's an hour and a half drive for those guys and you know you get home at two in the morning and right and whatever so uh uh, and basically, and we were lugging for those kinds of gigs. Mark has a all your PA, yeah, stuff. has a PA system that we're all lugging, and we decided now well, let's let's go let's let's limit ourselves to places that have a first-rate PA system, the sound tech, whatever, or places that can pay us enough that we can hire uh, a mm-hmm. sound person with a PA system, right? And that 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 that, that pretty much eliminates the, you know the roadhouse bar kinds of places. Uh-huh. Anyway. And a five-hour set—that's a—it's a lot of. Uh, Songs. Yeah, I mean, yeah. um, occasionally we've had sets that are so, or evenings that are so long, five, six sets that I actually get to sing in the last. Song. Uh, the, are the, you replaying songs from the, earlier the, in the, the set? They'll let me do Louie Louie. Oh yeah. <laughs> Normally you're not mic'd up. They don't no, let they no, don't no. let you get mic'd up. Oh no. well. <laughs> uh, so, uh, are there any festivals or particular places uh, that you? have played in you know or you like to play in on a consistent basis yeah you know we, we've done uh ship and shore and, oh in and, new buffalo uh we've done worst fest in in three oaks uh-huh. and all, all we've done many of the best fests we also did the worst fest yeah, worst <laughs> fest, right <laughs> um we've done festivals in valpo we did uh homewood days uh, yeah um we love that you know we we've tried to get into um 
Halsted days, market days on Halsted. Oh, uh -huh. But you know, you know, getting into you know one of these huge festivals where you're you got to get on and off in an hour and uh, oh right and and, and get there in the first place. Uh, the, the festivals out this way are, are a little bit more manageable and more satisfying. Uh, it's a, you know, sure. It's a place where our, our you know, close friends can come see us and so on. But yeah. Homewood, the um, Homewood Festival, we only did that once. We mm -hmm. tried to get back in there. That, that's great because that's within 10 miles of where oh, right. uh, six of us grew right. up. Yeah. yeah. And it's, a, it's an interracial audience, too, which, you know, which is satisfying given the kind of music we play. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, and... Um, have, do you have any, uh, well, I, I was going to ask you, you know, do you have any, anybody in particular that you're looking at for Mark's replacement, but it's probably a little too early to start. It's, it's a little early. We actually um, talked to uh, a female singer out of Valpo who was much younger than the rest of us. Uh, and it would have been an, an interesting challenge and opportunity, but she decided she's, she's trying to build a solo career and, and didn't want to you know, step in mostly into someone else's playlist. And we, right. we agreed that was, the, that was the right decision for her. Yeah, well, that's, uh, that's nice that you guys were understanding of that mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, so uh, uh, after this um, show at the Acorn tomorrow night, do you have any other things coming up? Well, we're, we're scheduled to be at the Acorn next July. And again, depending on how much work there needs to do, I would say... If we get a, a blues sort of person uh, on board, we'll we'll probably be back to our usual schedule. I think we you know we could come up with uh, a really good couple of sets, of 30, 35 songs that would sustain us through the late spring, the first half of uh, next summer, and then right. be back to a more you know a, a broader range of music uh, towards the end of next summer. Um, so that's you know. Yeah, I, I, maybe I'm being a little bit too optimistic, but that's that's sort of the way I see things playing out. And are you going to continue to practice and everything, uh, even without Mark, as you're moving towards there? Yeah, um, Jeff and I, Jeff, the trombonist, guitarist, he's he spends his winters in Tucson, where where I go, and so he and I get together and, and play around. And uh, um, you know. I'm not sure about the the other guys in the south suburbs uh, without a specific task in mind. You know, again, if if we line somebody up early on, sure, I'm sure they'll be getting together. Um, so I guess it remains to be seen. Yeah, yeah. And Gene, are are you thinking about you know doing like a duo or a you know a small thing with uh, any buddies? Just you know while you're while you're got this resurgence and this this. Uh, uh, you know, you've got your harmonic all warmed up. <laughs> I, I don't have any specific plans, but a good friend of mine, Wally Rustin, uh, he and I are always threatening each other to get together and, you know, jam yeah. and uh, maybe do a duo, you know, she, something. Open mics. I mean, there's uh, yeah. open mics around. Yeah. And, uh, all kinds of uh, venues to help feed the, uh, the hungry uh, blues um, people that, you know, like to hear blues and, and real blues. Yeah. And uh, and then also you know places for the musicians, uh, you know. Yeah, there's low, also kind of the like can be nice. you know like jet lag, like COVID lag. Mm -hmm. You know, realizing that's oh yeah, true. I can do this now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. Well, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, what did you guys do during COVID? Did you find other avenues? Did you you know play your? Uh, did you guys do Zoom um, uh, practices or uh, just kind of? 
stayed in touch and like, well, let's let's reconnect when everything yeah. opens up again. Yeah, yeah. We, we had we had one Zoom collective discussion. Didn't, didn't try to do any music, and uh, you know, it was like most Zoom uh, uh, discussions that involve a bunch, bunch of people who are over sixty. It was like <laughs> a disaster. Uh, Plus, Zoom, as I understand it, the the timing is yeah. not synchronous that's right I, so, you know yeah. you could be talking and uh it's just your picture or things freeze and yeah, yeah it's constantly an issue but, for sure <laughs> but but I, I you know I, I did a lot of uh um editing and did music videos for youtube based on the, the stuff that we already had over uh over the break over the during the covid time i also started uh sort of branching out and listening to to different stuff i got like totally into country music and now i like listen to six six country radio stations when i'm ever in my car uh-huh well, you opening up opening up new avenues for yeah. uh um, yeah. exposing the group to maybe actually jeff and i talked about starting a band actually lining up musicians this winter in tucson and starting performing next winter <laughs> uh, ah. and the band's gonna be called going out west oh nice. interesting yeah. and, yeah. and i actually, actually made a facebook page for the band and then I thought about it. Now you know we have a brand with the Newports. If anything, what we might do is do a Newport Southwest. Oh, there you uh, go. Maybe a six a six piece version of it without the you know the, the scores and so on. And right. To, you know, play play in the high season uh, in the Tucson area. Well, good luck with all that. And uh, speaking of going out west, I'm going to play um, the uh, Newports version. Tom Waits going out west. Um, thanks, Bill, Bill Bilby, and Gene Halton. Thank you, Gene. For joining me today, uh, they are with the Newports, who are playing tomorrow night, uh, November 27th, at the Acorn Theater in Three Oaks, Michigan. And you're listening to Johnny Secret Stash, and I'm John Goldman. And uh, you're listening to us on WRHC 106.7 out of Three Oaks and WRHZ 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan. And uh, thanks again, guys. Here is Going Out West from the Newports, the Tom Waits song. Evan Margo, the best sound man in the southwestern region of Michigan.